America podcast. I'm your host, Mark Pajarski, and you're listening to a podcast that's all about you, the American soccer fan. Welcome once again to another episode of the Fan America Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Bujarski, and we have a terrific show for you this week. As you know by now, we're a podcast all about American soccer fans and their fandom, and what we seek to do is to tell the stories of average American soccer fans across the country in an effort to show just how wonderful and unique American soccer fandom really is. This week's guest is a good friend of mine and a fellow Spurs supporter, Greg Millizer. We'll talk about it towards the end of this podcast, but but Greg and I's story is pretty unique because we really have very little in common beyond our love for soccer. But through it, we formed a great friendship and a, a little f- community of sorts of other disparate soccer fans in Southwest Missouri. Greg's fandom began, like many of ours, by playing the game, but in an era before professional soccer in the United States was little more than a fledgling dream. Through the World Cup and and the dawning of the internet, Greg's love for the game grew through his travels uh, in Europe and eventually the unprecedented access that we have now. It was truly a pleasure to sit down with Greg and talk about his origins in the game and most of which I didn't even know. So without further ado, here's my interview with Greg. And welcome uh, to the Fan America podcast. I want to extend the warmest of welcomes to our guest today, uh, an old friend of mine, Greg Millizer. Greg, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. So, Greg, where are you, and uh, uh, what is? Let's let's get to know you a little bit. What is um, your favorite thing about? Um, supporting the team that you do and tell us who that is so I live in uh, southwest Missouri and I support the Tottenham Hotspur and I think my favorite thing about uh, supporting them is uh, they seem to be just kind of a hard-working club in terms of where they are where they're at in London Uh, that they really invest in their community I really appreciate that about them and I do think we have some probably the some of the better fans in terms of just how they support the club. They get so loud in the state in this new stadium. It's 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 just fun to be to to listen to and be a part of and and hear it. And uh, I like the fact that they really do invest in their uh, academy. I mean, they've got some really strong players that have come out of that academy, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly a team that has some notable Academy products <laughs> um, in the starting right. lineup. Um, well, cool. I, I appreciate you coming on today, Greg. So um, as you'll be aware, this podcast is all about soccer fandom and how Americans in particular are unique ways of supporting and and rooting for our teams and how we've how we've come to find them. Um, so right. So you support Tottenham. Um, we'll get to that, but but first, tell me a little bit about how you came to the sport of soccer. What were some of your first experiences, and uh, what made you fall in love with it? So, uh, growing up, my dad was a baseball fan, so he first got me playing baseball, and I played for maybe a couple of years. I don't remember playing a whole lot, uh, but I also at the same time wanted to play soccer, and I can't exactly say why. I just I was probably six or seven, maybe. Um, and so he knew nothing about it, but he wanted me to be able to play the sports I wanted to. So he got me into it and I did, I immediately just fell in love with it. Um, I played soccer from the time I was probably six to about 14. And during that time I played on some traveling teams, which were kind of a new creation at that time. It used to be, uh, just primarily, Rec, what we call recreational soccer, where you play either through the Y or through some just local association. And I, I played that for a little while, but then I got into the traveling teams and I was actually pretty good. 
uh, that that didn't hurt. <laughs> and I grew up in I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and at the time the North American Soccer League was was in full force. I mean that was the only professional league that I could remember having, and we had the Tulsa Roughnecks. And so uh, I remember my dad taking me to a lot of games, both uh, indoor and outdoor, uh, for the Tulsa Roughnecks. And this is just kind of a cool story. It, it doesn't say anything about me, but the owner of the fa- uh, the owner of the club at that time was actually um, Joe Max Moore and his family. His dad owned the Tulsa Roughnecks, and if you remember Joe Max Moore, he played for the U.S. national team for a while. And so I actually got to play against him a few times as kids. And uh, one thing I remember is is going out to his house for a scrimmage because his house obviously was massive because his dad was like the CEO of an oil company. And they had a full-size soccer field at their house. And that's where we had a scrimmage one time. And so that was just a kind of a cool part of my history, being able to say, hey, I played against a U.S national team player when he was 13 (laughs) so uh and it was so being able to to follow the roughnecks and they ended up winning the title one one season and so that was a big deal i I grew up you know basically hearing about pele because he played for the new york cosmos at the same time um one of my favorite players growing up was giorgio canalia who uh was was an Italian played for the Italian national team and came and played for the New York Cosmos and um, I remember when they came to Tulsa to play the Roughnecks um, I tracked him down and got his got his uh, autograph and so um, just from the earliest time that I can remember soccer was a part of my life I loved it um, I quit playing when I was fourteen I just kind of had, had uh, well. It was just a, a weird time for me going into high school, and I just didn't really want to play any anymore. But I still followed it and still uh, enjoyed the game. And so that's the early that's the early story. <laughs> yeah. So, so obviously connected to um, your local area there, the the Tulsa Repnecks and ASL at the time. Um, did you? I don't know. Did you have any aspirations of? Uh, even at a young age of of wanting to go and play at a higher level or um or did you kind of realize that maybe there was only a <laughs> a certain level um that you were going to be able to achieve and then and wanted to pursue other things you know at, at that time there was really no path forward for becoming a professional soccer player that that I even knew of but because you know we didn't have academies at the at that time uh, the, the the teams that were part of the NASL had no youth programs or anything like that. Obviously, they would do like clinics, but that was just something to do in the community. And so, for me to to even have that path, I'd have to go through uh, college. And at, at that time, that just wasn't something I was really even considering. Uh, it just wasn't a, yeah. a, a possibility, I guess. Or it was such a rare possibility that um i didn't know that it would be worth worth the effort yeah so at this time so you're playing your your dad is taking you to an asl games um what was your i guess consciousness of like the u.s national team at this time i don't know that I really had one. I was thinking about that. And the first thing I can think of is when we finally made the world cup in like what early, like 84, was it? Was it the, I can't remember, but that it was the, that was the, whatever the first world cup we played in, which is I think early eighties. That's when my consciousness of the U S national team kind of came into being. Uh, I, I remember watching world cups before then. Like I remember, um, Maradona's hand of God. And <laughs> I remember uh, Pele in the late seventies uh, in the world cup. Cause of course that's the only soccer they'd really broadcast outside of maybe NASL because it was a national league. They'd, they'd show some games on TV, but they would show the world cup maybe one or two 
games a week. And so some of the bigger teams like Brazil and, and Argentina, but in Italy, because I remember watching World Cups from the 70s on. I mean, I, I can't think of that there's been a World Cup I haven't watched. Yeah, but, so so your, your consciousness of the U.S. national team, not necessarily there, but but you were familiar with the international game. So yeah, what, what was... Uh, what was one of the standout memories from, from watching those world cups uh, growing up? I do remember watching Maradona's hand of God goal. Um, (laughs) I also remember, I think it was like maybe 90 or 92. I can't remember the exact year, but when uh, Italy made the finals and it went into penalties and Roberto Biagio just skied it over the, over the uh, crossbar. I just remember seeing that and thinking, Oh, that's just not that. That was unexpected. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I believe that was 94. The, yeah, I think it was the world cup that we hosted. Right. And so, um, and I just, well, I just remember watching uh, that Maradona was kind of the first player. I have really distinct memories of because he was just so good. Um, just so uh, different as a player too. And so he just stood out. He had a huge ego. <laughs> and so he, <laughs> he obviously just, he knew how to market himself at that time. And that's just who I remember first is uh, Maradona. So, you know, you, you stop playing the game at 14. When does, I mean, I guess the question would be, did, did soccer kind of begin to take a, a back seat at this point or, or were you always still kind of watching and, uh, and being a fan of it or did that come back along around later? I, I, again, I watched as much as I could simply because, but that was mostly just world cup because that was the only time it was ever really talked about. So yeah, during that, during my high school years, uh, actually I got into, I played basketball, played a lot of basketball uh, I started playing hockey at that time, which is a strange story that we're not going to talk about because this is a soccer podcast. <laughs> um, and so, but no, soccer was always there, but I'd say probably this is late nineties, which was, it'd be about 10 years, about 10 years uh, between about 15 years between uh, when I stopped playing and when I kind of came into it again. It was in the late nineties. Um, Thierry Henry was playing for Arsenal and that was during their uh, invincible run. And I was never really an Arsenal fan. I can't admit, I can't be an Arsenal fan as a, as a hot, as a Tottenham <laughs> fan, but I was a Thierry Henry fan. I mean, that, that guy was just incredible. Yeah, and I just remember, I remember starting to hear and read uh, more about him. This you know, sports center, would, would, was was starting up at that point and cable and so access to those types of stories was growing and I was just a sports fan and so watching sports center every day you started to see more soccer and so I got I was able to to reconnect with it and uh, it was hard in that time in America being a soccer fan because it just wasn't available you just really didn't have because the NASL I think I think they actually folded in like uh, 85, somewhere around there when I was still in high school. So, um, you know, when professional soccer went away in the United States, there wasn't really much uh, uh, to to watch or uh, to keep up on. So um, I, I started, I found European soccer about 10 years later, I guess. Yeah, so, so you come to the European game through, you know, highlights and Sports Center and, and, and knowledge like that. But um, I guess what what was it like trying to follow the European game during that time period? As you said, the access to it is pretty limited. It's mostly highlights, you know, Sports Center top ten stuff like that. But like, what was it like being a fan of of the European game during this period? Well, the internet was finally starting to kind of ramp up at that point. So I could uh, do a lot, find a lot more online. Obviously, not fast. You know, you can only do some. You can only do so much on dial-up. 
<laughs> but uh, I would I would find stuff online. I actually started doing a fantasy. The the Premier League had a fantasy league at that point, and I started doing that, and so that got me way more into it in terms of all the details and following scores and following players, learning more about the players. Uh, this was the time when uh, you know Ronaldo was at um, Man United, and they were the big powerhouse in in uh, England and uh, you know the, the, those teams were at their peak in terms of just quality and the, the number of the, the players that they had and um, Arsenal was obviously a, a strong team at that point uh, but those were really the only two that I that I really knew of I didn't, I didn't know of Tottenham at that point because I couldn't watch any games yeah. I could only I could only see scores and in those types of things. And so, and I know at that point Tottenham was kind of a mid to lower table team. I mean, they were not very good back then. Yeah. And so, but the internet is, is basically where I connected again. Uh, and then um, we moved to Europe uh, late nineties. And I was able to uh, actually was fortunate enough to live in a city that had a Serie A team. And so that's where I really started getting into uh, Italian football. And uh, Zidane was playing for Juventus at the time. And so I really uh, loved Zidane. He's still one of my probably favorite players. Um, And so I was able to, once I moved there, I was able to watch a lot more. I was able to get a lot more information, a lot more um, exposure to the European game. Uh, one of my favorite memories of that time was uh, the Italian national team played South Africa in our city. And uh, so we got to go to that game. Yeah. So, so I guess the, the question then is where were you? Oh, we were in a city, we were in a city called Perugia. Perugia is uh, kind of smack dab in the middle of the country. It's a really small mountain town about uh, two hours south of Florence and about uh, two hours northeast of Rome. Okay. What was the name of the team? Um, I'm putting you on the spot here. Their colors were red, and they just went by um, Perugia FC, I believe. They've changed their name. I've, I've, I've kind of kept up with them a little bit because they, uh, they got relegated a couple years after we left. And they got relegated like twice. And so they ended up in like Syria C and had to, had to re reform basically because they went bankrupt. <laughs> yeah. But at the, at the so, time, at the time it was a, they were a pretty strong team. In fact, um, when the, when the national team came to play, um, Marco Matarazzi was uh, what our primary defender. He was our big kind of big name defender. And I think, and he got his first cap at the game that they played in our stadium because he was just starting to become known and they wanted to give him a chance. And we all know the story of Marco Matarazzi after that. I mean, (laughs) that dude became a legend in, in Italy. So that's pretty, certainly. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe not in France, but no, no, he's not, he's not real appreciated (laughs) in France. (laughs) Yeah, so, that, so for our for our eager listeners, um, Perugia, our AC Perugia yeah, Calcio. AC. There you go. And they're in Serie B, and looks like they were refounded in 2005. So it looks, doesn't right. look like they had some fun. That was literally as five years after we lived there, so it wasn't long. <laughs> and so, yeah. So, so you live in Italy, you get to actually experience Serie A um, up close, and that kind of opens your horizons to... Uh, the European game. Um, so you come back to the States um, in the mid, you know, 20s. Early, early 2000s, yeah. Um, talk us through, what, what does your fandom look like at this point then? Well, w- once I got to experience European football up close, that really cemented my love of the game. And so when we moved back, we actually moved back into the Washington, D.C. area. And... Um, I found out that uh, there was a channel on the 
local cable there that would show Serie A games on like Friday nights. <laughs> and so I would literally watch every Friday night. I didn't care who it was. Yeah. I just, I just wanted to watch it. And so that became kind of my modus operandi after that is everywhere we lived, I would watch soccer however I could. I would always just find out, figure out how I could watch it and where it was playing. And then, um, you know, not, I think we lived there probably not quite four years. And then when we moved back into um, Southwest Missouri, I, I want to say Fox maybe had, would show games every once in a while. And then um, like two years after we, li- we moved here, uh, NBC bought the rights to the Premier League. And pretty much every Friday or every Saturday, I would wake up at six o'clock in the morning and just watch soccer from six o'clock to one thirty. I'd watch every game they showed just about. And I've done that ever since. I mean, that is literally my Saturday Saturdays and Sundays. If, uh, you know, if there's some good games on Sundays, which there usually are, I'll, I'll record them now. I don't, my, my Sundays are just to the point where I don't always get to watch them live, but uh, every Saturday and Sunday I watch probably five or six games over the weekend. So. Yeah. So this seems as good a time as any then to talk about. Um, so you're, you're a Tottenham fan. We, we covered that at the, at the front. Uh, so you come back to Southwest Missouri. Uh, you start watching the Premier League, NBC, obviously um, they're, they're getting the rights to the Premier League and, and broadcasting it, I think is, is how a lot of modern and American Premier League fans have come about. Just the access to it, the production quality, I think, oh, yeah. um, has been exponentially better than than both uh, what ESPN had and, and what Fox and others were able to get as well. So right. um, talk us through, how, how did you become a Tottenham fan? What what sold you on Spurs? And, and, uh, and I guess, so you hinted at it earlier, but... Man United, Arsenal, um, you know, the powerhouses of that era, formative years of your fandom, why not them? So um, I think that comes a lot down just to my personality. I'm not a bandwagoner at all. Pretty much anything that I think is popular for reasons other than quality, I'll I'll just not, I'll intentionally not um, follow it. And so I just saw way too many people just leech on to man United and man city and um, Chelsea arsenal. Uh, and I just obviously was not going to, to follow those teams because of that. I didn't care how good they were. And so when I started looking at it myself, um, I looked, I, I really considered Everton. I really enjoyed watching Everton play at that time. I thought about Liverpool I did enjoy uh, watching them play, and you know Steven Gerrard was still playing at that time, and you know I enjoyed watching him. And um, those were two teams that I, I considered pretty pretty heavily. And then I, I met um, our mutual friend Mark, and different he was Mark. different Mark, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was telling me about Tottenham. He had followed Tottenham for quite a while. And I remember um, I did know about Tottenham at that time because of Gareth Bale. He was, I think they'd only, they bought him like maybe a couple of years before that. And I had started to hear just some really good things about him. And so I watched some clips on YouTube and watched some games where they played and really enjoyed watching him play and them play. And then I just got got to become real good friends with uh, Mark and thought, hey, if you know, it, it'll probably be a lot easier to hang out if I if I follow Tottenham than if I don't, <laughs> because <laughs> he 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 and I have because of following Tottenham together, he and I have been watching soccer football together for I don't know six seven years. I mean, just about every every weekend. And so, really, it had a lot to do with him, and then at the same time. I did enjoy watching um, them play and they were kind of an, at the time were 
we're becoming more um, of a big six team where they they made it to the Champions League for the first time uh, during that. And so uh, I think – I don't remember watching them when um, – oh, gosh. Redknapp was the coach. I mm-hmm. remember coming in when Vias Boas was the coach, which I think he came in right after Redknapp. Yeah. And so they made it through the Champions League for the first time with Redknapp. And so when I came in, um, they were still kind of a – they were more over Europa League, you know, consistently there. And so uh, I enjoy – following teams that are on the rise, I guess, and not necessarily at the top because it's just, for me, it's just a better journey. It's just more enjoyable. And so um, those two factors, Mark and just Gareth Bale and the seeing some of the player, other players they had, I just enjoyed watching them. And so I chose Tottenham. I love their, love their crest, love their jerseys, their kits. And so, um, that's that's how I came about being a, a Spurs fan. Yeah. So it's just interesting to hear um, kind of how people, especially with Premier League or European teams, just you know how they how they chose who they, is they root for. It's the heart of of the podcast. Really, is <laughs> being an American fan of a, a foreign game um, means that we have a pretty unique story of fandom. You know, obviously in in a lot of these European leagues and countries, fans are born into their their clubs. It's right. passed down from family members, and, and we just don't have that. Maybe we do with, you know, our American sports like NFL, baseball, you know, stuff like that. But we don't have it with soccer because, as you demonstrated in your own story, um, I mean, for a large portion of your life, there wasn't a professional league. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so it, was, it really wasn't anybody to root for. So, right. uh, so you choose Tottenham. Um, because you have an affinity for Gareth Bale, for the this kind of underdog club on the rise mentality, um, and you have a mutual friend who's a Spurs fan. Um, that's that's a lot of reasons, um, and and I think it's it's probably more than what a lot of people uh, base their fandom off of, but right. um. So you've been this this era of Spurs uh, uh, was right at the beginning of their ascendancy. So walk me through. Um, that's been almost a decade now. So mm-hmm. uh, Andre Villas-Boas is is sacked. I think shortly after him, Tim Sherwood, and oh, then yeah. we bring in the man, the myth, the legend, Maurizio Pochettino, and. After a bumpy start, uh, the team rallies and he takes us to new heights. So kind of walk me through what it was like to be a fan of Tottenham during this period. So uh, (laughs) I remember um, one of my first big memories was we were in the Champions League and we were playing uh, Inter Milan and we had gotten, gone down in the first game. We got, beat at home. I think it was one nothing or maybe two one. And uh the return game was was in uh, Milan probably what is it normally about six weeks. And my wife and I happened to be vacationing in Italy at the time. We were in Florence and I remember saying to her, we had gone uh we had done something, but I knew that, that they were gonna be playing later and there was a pub just down the street from us where we were staying so i remember asking my wife hey uh since spurs are playing it's a really big game you think i'd go to the pub and watch it and she let me go and so i sat i was pretty much i was pretty much the only one in the pub watching the game but i remember that we actually uh i think we beat them three to one in that game and i just remember watching it and i mean if I'm willing to sacrifice a, a, an evening with my wife in in Florence, Italy, to watch the Spurs play, <laughs> that's that's how important they are to me now. Uh, 
I've done that more than once too. I mean, anytime there's a massive game that's important, I try to find a way to watch it where I, wherever I'm at. And she, she, she's the one. She, she does. Um, she doesn't necessarily watch it with me, but um, she uh, participates in my fandom with me. So <laughs> she'll. Uh, she's got her hoodies and she's got her her. Uh, well, we call them toques, but you know her skull caps or whatever. And so she likes she likes participating in it with me, um, but this this whole era has been really interesting in that um, got to watch the rise of Harry Kane, and I remember when Kane was literally a kid, he wasn't really playing. He was he was put out on loan several times, and then the one good decision that Sherwood would made was he gave him a start, and that changed everything. I mean. Um, and so being able to watch the, his rise, um, and then when Pochettino came in uh, and I, I enjoyed watching his, uh, Southampton teams too. I thought they were a, a hard team to play against and they had some good, mm-hmm. good quality and he brought that quality out. And so I was really excited when, when he became, um, the manager because I thought he would bring, um, a little bit more uh, organization to the team and he would uh, bring a, a little bit more excitement in terms of the style of play. And I think he did. And I, unfortunately it's just w- watching sports, professional sports, as long as I have, it's really hard anymore for a, a manager to, to keep the players interested the longer they're there. Um, you really have to have an organization that was behind you. And I just, I'm not sure he did. Um, but I really, I've enjoyed this era. The last few years have been kind of rough, been kind of tough, but I, I'm okay with that. Cause I, again, I don't pick teams because I, I think they're going to just um, be the, the top of their league all the time. It's not that I, I want them to do to not to not do well i want them to 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 win and i want them to to win a championship i i remember when i picked the hockey team i follow they were they were the worst team in the league when i picked them and within you know a few years they won they won the stanley cup twice and so you know watching them play when they were horrible and then watching them get better was was part of the journey for me and that's how it's been with tottenham again they weren't they, they were rising when when i started following them so, yeah, I remember uh, Mark, my friend Mark and I were in our, my living room. We were watching the Ajax game, and we it was 3-2 because then, we, then we, we drew that game, right, 3-3? But that's what got us through. Yeah. Do you remember? Something like that. Yeah, so I think it was 3-2, and he and I were both standing up like two feet from the TV because it was – extra time we were, we were we were hitting the last probably five minutes and we were pressing really hard and uh when morris scored that goal to to put us into the finals uh, we both just went nuts um i was running around my house so excited and so you know that that was a culmination of years of watching these guys uh kind of rise in the ranks of the premier league and now all of a sudden we're in a champions league final i mean that's just for me that's what it's all about it's the journey it's not necessarily uh, always winning you again you want to win you want to win championships but you know it's just so hard and so if you can't just enjoy the ride along the way then i I think it's it's hard to be a real fan but uh that's that's what i love about soccer is Every goal matters. It's not, you know, it's not like watching basketball when you're scoring 50, 50 baskets a, a game. You know, what's after a while, what's the big deal? Hmm. But sometimes when when every when it when it's a one zero game or or a two one game and it's going down into the last ten minutes and anything could happen. I mean, that's that for me is what it's about, yeah. and that's what soccer gives me, and that's why I love it. Yeah, not only the the emotions of you know a game like 
Tottenham away at Ajax. And we, we spoke about this game on the first episode of the podcast with a couple of buddies as well. Um, just remembering the emotions of that day of sitting in a cubicle at work, keeping up with it on Twitter and literally weeping when I saw that Mora had scored the third and yeah. was like, we're going to the Champions League. But I never thought this day would come. And uh, so the, the emotions of soccer fandom um, – one thing I want to I want to go back and touch on because I think it's it's an interesting part of of your and I's friendship um, is this idea of camaraderie, um, right? So so your friend uh, and our mutual friend Mark uh, Miller um, is a Tottenham fan has been a Tottenham fan. He helped you get into to Tottenham, and um, obviously the three of us have bonded over our our Tottenham right. fandom. Um, so I thought it'd be interesting to to kind of tell the story of of how the three of us ended up coming together because because the timelines are pretty similar. You know, we're both yeah. you know, we both came to Tottenham right before the the Pochettino era and right. um it was when NBC took over the rights to the Premier League that you know, the fandom begins to grow because you have access to it again. So um so so walk me through um well, I guess to walk the listeners through how, how we met. Uh, this is this is actually one of my all-time favorite stories. <laughs> it just is, Mark. It just, I love this story. So um, there's this show, Men in Blazers, and they have both a television show and then a podcast. And uh, I was listening to the podcast one day, and they always read a, a uh, like a fan letter. And they were, began to read a letter from a Mark Bujarski in Joplin, Missouri. <laughs> I thought Joplin, Missouri. I mean, who, whoever, I don't know. It's just that what are it's such odds, a small right? place. Yeah. What are the odds that this, this letter would get on a, a national podcast and the letter just cracked me up. I don't remember much about it right now, but it just made me laugh. I believe it and was, so I thought, okay, I believe it was the, uh, uh sleepless in Joplin. Right, you were like, <laughs> I was like uh, frustrated that you couldn't find a girl that liked soccer as much as you. Yeah, I was, I was, I was know, begging I the Men in Blazers to help set me up with the, <laughs> the Men in Blazers dating uh, service. And so I wrote That's a letter right. called Sleepless in Joplin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so I thought, okay, um, there can't be too many Mark Pujarskis in Joplin. And so I'm a little bit of a... a, a a uh, amateur sleuth and so i started looking around on facebook where just doing searches and i found i found your facebook page and i saw that you worked at starbucks well i've been going to that starbucks for almost 15 years and so i i just have i knew a lot of people there and i went in one day and i um think i saw, well i think i went in one day and you were there and I saw your um, name tag and I thought, okay, his name is Mark. And so I'll, I'll, next time I'm in, I'll, I'll, if you're next time I see you, I'll, I'll ask. And so the next time I came in and you were there, I just went up and said, are you, are you Mark Bujarski? You're like, yeah. <laughs> I said, Hey, I just want you to know, I heard the podcast where men and blazers read your uh, letter and I thought it was hilarious. And I'm also a Spurs fan. We should talk sometime. And I think um, I may have even given you my maybe my number or um, told you to look me up on Facebook. I don't remember exactly what I said, but it wasn't too long after that. I think um, you and I maybe met for coffee. Maybe you were getting off work. I, again, I just don't remember the exact circumstances, but that's that's how we met. And I'm like, one to meet another Spurs fan outside of me and Mark, we thought we were the only ones that <laughs> we always make the joke that we're the we're the founding and only members of the Southwest Missouri Spurs supporter club. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny since since then, uh, we I've met um, well actually uh, one of your coworkers Beth um, yep. was a Spur is a Spurs fan, mm-hmm. and then. Another coworker of yours is no longer there. Uh, Nate mm-hmm. uh, is a Spurs fan. No one, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, we met them and met a few more. Um, 
And so that's, but that's our story <laughs> is I, I just, it's all, it's just all happenstance. Yeah. And, uh, so, so yeah, it, I love, I love that story. I love that origin story. It's, it's pretty fantastic. I, <laughs> I apologize listeners, but, but I find this entertaining not only because it's a small world moment, but because, um, to, to kind of lend my side of the story. Um, here I am, I'm a college student. I'm into soccer. I have been for a few years, but you know, I'm, I'm kind of alone. Like I don't, there are very few soccer fans to begin with, much less premier league fans. And then even fewer who really know what they're talking about. And so I, I'm engaging in a lot of soccer media. The Midland Blazers obviously was kind of after that 2014 World Cup was like a breath of fresh air because it was funny and entertaining. So I was listening to them. I was listening to shows like the Total Soccer Show and and was gaining a love for the game and a better understanding of it and, and getting to really nerd out about it. So when I write this stupid... <laughs> this stupid letter email thing to the men and blazers i'm literally sitting in my bed one night just like what would a good what would be something that would get me read out on on the podcast and i was like they just talked about this joked about this men and blazers dating show and i was like perfect that that's my end i was i was single at the time so i write this thing and and here i am in joplin missouri and not expecting one anyone in, in Joplin, Missouri to ever hear this, much less um, find people who not only listened to the show but supported the same team I did. But then to like have this, this random guy approach me at Starbucks <laughs> and say, "Hey, uh, I'm a Spurs fan too." Um, it was it was a little like, "Oh, uh, I don't I don't know what to say to this right now." But it was great because. I found camaraderie and that's, that's what, um, I mean, that's what fandom does. That's what soccer fandom is all about. Like we don't share much in common beyond our fandom, but as a result of that, you and I have gotten to know each other very well. I've gotten to know Mark very well. Yeah. And like you said, there were others, we found others, um, who were varying degrees of, of Spurs fans. And, and so to have those kinds of conversations, it was great. It was uh, it was a little community that we had, the the smallest supporters group <laughs> in Tottenham history. Um, but it gave us a community, and it, and it, I think, reaffirmed in a lot of us the, the fandom that we had because we weren't alone, you know. So, so both of us being Spurs fans, um, getting, getting to meet other Spurs fans, it's helped solidify, you know, who we are as fans. Um, we've probably run a little bit long here but but i i want to make sure that we we get to this with every guest i want to give you an opportunity to tell me like what is the best moment in your soccer fandom and and what is maybe the absolute low i i, I mean obviously we can point back to the the game against ajax to get us into the champions league final um that was that was huge but also just have individual moments in games that I just always remember. And uh, the first one I always think of is Delhi's goal against Crystal Palace. Oh, wow. Where yeah. the ball the ball went through three players, never touched the ground. It ended up in the back of the net. It's one of the most beautiful goals I've ever seen. Just I remember watching it live and almost crying. It was so it was just so amazing. Yeah. And then um, another one it was it was a North London Derby. And um, Delhi chased a ball down in the corner, backheeled it to Kane, and that dude from an impossible angle curled it into the far corner. And that's when he had broken his nose, and so he's wearing his mask, rips his mask off, just goes nuts. And that that for me is just really um, those are just individual moments that I can think of. Yeah, that, talk about camaraderie. Uh, both Mark yeah, Miller just, and I were at the at your house to watch that game. Watch those games, yeah. Like that, that North London Derby. I remember sitting on your couch and watching Kane rip that face mask off and just uh, all of us losing our minds. Yeah. So, um, lowest moment? I, I don't think I've ever... Well, let me, let me think about that for a second. Um, I remember we've gotten knocked out of like... Uh, when we got knocked out of the Europa League last year by... Who was that? <laughs> 
Dionimo Zagreb. Yeah, Dionimo Zagreb. Oh man, it was just embarrassing. Um, and I just remember the last year that Pochettino coached for us, how you could just feel it coming, and it was just miserable because I I just loved him as a coach. I loved him. I think he's a good man. I think he deserved better. Um, and so that I just remember how that felt watching us just go south in a really, really slowly and really badly yeah. and just know this is not going to end well. And so, um, yeah, that was that, that was really hard. Even these last few years haven't been that hard for me. I mean, yeah, it's been rough. It's been not always fun to watch and frustrating. But I think that watching the slow death of the Pochettino era was was just really hard because of how how far he took us. Yeah, certainly, um, it, it tough to say goodbye to to such a coach and to see him not ride out on top. Like if we'd won that Champions League final and he had left and whatever, then it wouldn't have hit quite the same. But to just have that slow kind of dying death through the end of, or the beginning of that that season, I think he sacked uh, the November after the final. Um, and again, in fact, um, I'm sitting in my insurance office in Springfield, Missouri, and you just happen to be in town that day and you come into my office and I tell you, Oh, Hey, did you see that Potch had been sacked? And you were like, what? No. And so we just commiserated for a while, <laughs> mourned the loss of our, our beloved Maurizio Pochettino. So again, just an example of the camaraderie that, that our fandom has, has brought us, but Greg, I, I appreciate you a lot, um, not only because uh, you <laughs> decided to, to come into Starbucks that day and introduce yourself and, and to, uh, to give a bit of a, like a soccer home to a lonely college kid, but, but also just your friendship um, through the years, and I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, the, you take an hour yeah, to, of course. <laughs> to, to talk about um, Tottenham and about your fandom and um, hopefully we'll, we'll have you can, on again someday. Can I tell you one more story? Absolutely. So this, this has to go back to the, uh, this idea of, uh, camaraderie and fandom is I was at Silver Dollar city in Branson, Missouri one day. And I decided to wear my, one of my Tottenham jerseys and we were leaving and the guy says, Hey, you a Spurs fan? I said, yeah. He says, yeah, me too. He pulls up his sleeve and he shows me this tattoo. And I'm like, man, that's an awesome tattoo. And he goes, hey, you think that's awesome? Take a look at this. He reaches down, he pulls up his pants leg, and he's got a prosthetic leg. And the the piece that hooks on Mm -hmm. to his uh, physical leg is a Spurs crest. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm like, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And I just said, "Come on, you Spurs!" On, you and that's Spurs. how that's how we left. That's how we left it. It was <laughs> it was one of the coolest moments would, for me being in Southwest Missouri. That's amazing. As a Spurs fan, yeah, it was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. I... And he, he he wasn't a Brit either. He, dude was as American as you and me. <laughs> that's incredible. I I fully expected yeah. you to tell me like to bring this whole podcast full circle that you. Uh, you were leaving Silver Dollar City, and a Spurs fan approached you, and his name oh. was Joe Maxmore. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, Greg, again, I appreciate it, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you guys soon. Yeah, you bet. I want to thank Greg again for coming on the show. It was a true pleasure to sit down with him and talk about our favorite subject, which is soccer. And uh, it was, I think, pretty interesting, at least for me, to hear what it was like to grow up in an American landscape in which soccer was barely accessible. And then to see the only professional league, that is the NASL, fold. It's fascinating to hear stories like that. And I hope we hear more from people who, who didn't really have any reason to be a soccer fan other than maybe that they had played it when they were growing up because the access to it was so limited. And Greg's story was so fascinating, getting to to go and live abroad in Italy and having a local team in Serie A that he could root for, and, and really that being one of his first big access points to 
the international game to the European game, and then to come back to the States and bring that fandom with him to uh, Chaplin, Missouri, to Southwest Missouri, and embrace a Premier League team with this new access through NBC's rights to the Premier League, and then to find uh, a lonely college kid and some others who supported Spurs and to form a community around that. I can't thank Greg enough for those Sunday and Saturday mornings at his house watching Tottenham play and the breakfast and the pizza and the beer that we shared over those games. Those were really important times for me and my fandom and got to experience those with my now wife as well. And it was cool to just get to know that there are other soccer fans out there. And that was really one of my first tastes of that. I hope that uh, that came through in the interview, uh, an admiration for that time period. And I truly hope that if uh, you listeners out there don't have a community like that, that you'll find one. I think soccer is pretty unique in that those communities are out there to be found because we're all kind of sports orphans looking for a home in this wonderful, beautiful game of soccer. Well, that's it for this week. I want to extend the invitation again. If you're interested in being on the podcast and sharing your story about your fandom for either the national teams, your club teams, both, I would love to tell those stories. Reach out to me at contactfanamerica at gmail.com and let me know a little bit about yourself and your fandom and we'll schedule a time to have you on the show. I hope that you uh, are enjoying these and that you will continue to Uh, download and listen and rate and review the show as it'll help others find us. Most of all, I'm just, let me tell you, excited to be doing this podcast. I hope that comes out in the interviews. That'll do it for this week. And uh, I hope that you've enjoyed the episode. We'll be back next week with another fan and another story to tell. Until then, peace. Peace.